This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome back to the Rebel Author Podcast, episode 18. Today's podcast is with somebody I am a super fan of, and I think you can hear it in how like a silly I get with Jay Thorne. Um, and we are talking all about story structure and how you can create the best story structure for your novel. But first to last week's question. I was asking, what do you need to quit? Well, Amy Sund said, I need to quit giving in to fear, including resisting, procrastinating, which I hate to do, but will when I'm a scaredy pants, avoiding, rabbit holing, cleaning, you name it. I have to say, I also do the cleaning. Uh, This week, I have more work to do than I think I've ever had to do. And what did I do last night? Instead of just sitting my butt cheeks down at the table and getting on with my work, I decided to clear out my entire (laughs) wardrobe. Why? Why? I even said halfway through doing it, why am I doing this? Like to my wife, I, I just, she came in and she was like, looking at me, giving me the eyebrow. And I was like, I know, I know, I don't know why I'm doing it either. But I actually think there's something quite cathartic uh, for stress avoidance, perhaps, when we do go and do these things. And because they are monotonous tasks, I think our brains ease and relax away from the stress, which obviously then helps us go and do it. Not that I'm advocating never um, doing work and continually procrastinating, but I do think when um, there is a real drive sometimes to do procrastinatory things, or try saying that when you're pissed, um, there sometimes can be a logical reason behind it. But most of the time, just stop fucking procrastinating. Um, Anyway, she continues saying, I also have to own the fact that I derive my energy and recharge my energy banks by doing things constantly. Now, I do know this and have for a long time, but I kind of feel like the interview with Becca Syme last week gave her permission to say, hey, this is how I do. You get your energy your way. I want to be able to let go of frustration at those who don't function this way, but that may be a tougher hurdle. I completely understand. I I am also a doer, not necessarily a physical doer. Uh, one of my friends is a physical doer and will constantly be rattling around. I'm a more of a mental doer, so I can't really sit and watch TV. <laughs> I need to be doing eight other things at the same time. Um, which is why I really enjoy going to the cinema because I am forced to sit the fuck down and do nothing else. Um, And it's a real kind of relaxation going to the cinema because I, I have nothing other than what's in front of me to focus on. Okay, next comment. Jeff Kidder said, great episode uh, with Becca Syme. I need to quit beating myself up for not putting out 2,000 words a day and go with the process that works best for me today. I completely agree, but also like you, I do tend to beat myself up. Um, When I am writing, I like to write a minimum of 2,000 words in a morning, and then I do tend to go and do something else in the afternoon. But we all 
have um, different capacities, different mental energies. And, you know, I think what's more important than necessarily hitting an arbitrary figure every day is just getting in the seat and doing work every day, uh, whether it be you know, some business management thing, working towards your goals or words or social media promotion or whatever. As long as we're doing something that helps us strive towards our goals, then hey, I think we're doing okay. Okay, this week's question is, what's your favourite podcast? Um, This is in honour of Jay because Jay is the man with a thousand podcasts. So I thought it would be appropriate to... um, ask everybody else what their favourites were. Drop links, uh, tell me in the comments, uh, tweet me at rebelauthorpod, whatever you like. Now, I have too many to name. Uh, I swing in and out of listening to about 40, um, and I did actually count, and it is actually nearly 40 podcasts that I'm subscribed to. That's not all of the ones that I listen to because there are also some that I will flit in and out of, uh, just like topical uh, podcasts that I like to listen to. Now, obviously I'm not going to name 40 podcasts here. Um, so what I'm going to do is just name some more of the un- more, more unusual ones rather than the podcasts that always get name dropped. So first of all, Choosify. I absolutely love Choosify. Um, I did a podcast on money for authors with Zach Bohannon and that was episode 11 if you want to go back and listen to it and Choose FI stands for basically Choose Financial Independence. It's something I'm deeply passionate about. It's one of the drivers for why I am self-employed and something that I think all indie authors should educate themselves on Um, and this podcast is from two of the, um, I guess you'd call them like founders of the movement. So yeah, go check that out. Also, Great Writers Share, uh, which is hosted by Dan Wilcox, who was also on episode two of this show talking about co-writing. Love him, love his get under your skin style of um, questioning. So yeah, go listen to him. He's fantastic. Also, uh, Mark Lefebvre's Stark Reflections. Love him, love his reflections, love how he makes me think. Um, Also, the Smarty Pants book marketing podcast. Um, with Becca Syme's mum, actually, Chris Syme, and Becca Syme sometimes is also on there, and she was interviewed in episode 17. Seven Figure Small with Brian Clark, The Worried Writer with Sarah Painter, and also Unstoppable Authors with HB Line, who was on episode five of the Rebel Author podcast talking all about world building. And I will include links to all of those in the show notes. The book recommendation this week is, of course, Jay Thorne's brand new book on story structure. I had the pleasure of reading an advanced copy and I loved it. And that's actually why I asked him to be on the podcast. In fact, I think I may have chased him a few times um, or chased Zach anyway, asking if um, he would be on this podcast. And now he is. And I'm still really excited about it. But yes, I've read Three Story Method. I think it's fantastic. It was um, perfectly timed as well because... Uh, one of my goals for this quarter is to be better at story structure so and plotting. So perfectly timed. Go and grab a copy. I have dropped links in the show notes. In personal news this week, The Anatomy of Prose is back with me. Um, 
yes, my critique partner gave me back uh, the anatomy of prose and thankfully there weren't too many changes or edits required. The biggest one um, was just around structure, which is fine. Um, structuring a non-fiction book is basically the hardest part anyway and that is why I try not to release how many steps there are going to be in whichever uh, book it is that I'm launching because I never know how many there are going to be until the last minute. Um, so yes, I am in the throes of editing that now and after doing a ton of brainstorming and having a bit of a masterclass with some of my friends on um, launch ideas and brainstorms and exciting things that I can do ah there's so many things that I want to do so I am really still toying with a launch date also because there's a couple of extra things that I would like to do um, before I get this one out also including the workbook which I do tend to launch at the same time and I would like to do that so I do still have a date in mind I think it's no, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say, because, well, I think I may have even said last time, but anyway, late April, I think is probably where we're going to be looking at, um, or April, anyway, at some point, worst case, it's going to be May, but I, I'm hoping for an April launch. I have another exciting announcement. I am going to be joining Jenna Morrissey, and Jenna was in episode 10 of the Rebel Author Podcast talking about how to master YouTube as an author, and also Meg Latour on the iWriterly YouTube channel for a live, yes, you heard me right, a live session, live stream, all about how to plan a book launch. Could not be timed better, I don't think. And, um... That will be on March the 4th, 2020 at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Eastern Standard Time, and that's 8 p.m. GMT. And there should be an opportunity also to ask questions of all three of us. So if you want to check that out, I have dropped Meg's uh, YouTube link in the show notes. Okay. I have been talking about Gabriella Pereira's webinars and video courses and all of those exciting things for a couple of weeks now. Well, she has finally opened the cart for her DIY MFA 101 course. Um, but by the time this airs, there will only be a couple of days left before the cart closes at midnight EST time on Friday the 6th of March. I'm just going to tell you a little bit about it and then we're going to move on. So this course is phenomenal and has helped over 200 writers to not only get their words on the page so they can finish a draft once and for all, but also master the craft of writing so that they can write the best book possible and understand the publishing industry, which is so important at the moment given the amount of changes going on. Writers who complete her course go on to achieve impressive things like signing with literary agents, winning awards or being published in anthologies or literary magazines. It's a 10-week programme and includes 10 modules absolutely crammed to help you write more, write better and write smarter. In the modules, you get a stack of material on each of the essential components of a writer's education. There's absolutely loads of comprehensive video lessons and audio recordings and slides so that you can work at your own pace. There's worksheets as well as access to a private course website where you can access all of the material. And there's a Facebook group where you can continue the discussion outside of class time and group discussion calls so that you can ask Gabriella questions yourself. 
It sounds amazing, right? And it is. I have worked with Gabriella for a while now, which is why I am proud to promote her work and why I'm a proud affiliate as well. So if you are interested in her course, I am going to include my affiliate link in the show notes and you can go and find out about that. But remember, it does close on Friday, the 6th of March, 2020. Right, my darlings, listener rebel of the week. This week, it's Katie Forrest. Katie says, a few years ago, we noticed a cafe au lait mark on my daughter's torso, which can suggest a particular genetic condition. The doctor referred us to a local genetics team who had an 18-month waiting list to be seen. Not happy with the wait, I went home and did some research. I discovered that a person can be referred out of area. So I rang every NHS area and found out which one had the shortest waiting time. It was Leicester for anyone interested. So I wrote a referral letter myself, went back to the doctor and asked him to just sign it and forward it on. And he did. We were seen in Leicester not long afterwards and thankfully her daughter does not have the genetic condition. I think this is such a wonderful rebellion because so often we accept what we're told and we think that, you know, because somebody in power or authority has said something, that means we have to stick to it. But, you know, checking the small print and questioning things when we disagree is how you get what you want. So, yeah. Uh, absolute power to Katie. If you would like to be a rebel of the week, please, please, please do send in your stories. It can be any kind of rebellion, big or small or somewhere in between. You can email your rebel story to rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com or tweet me at rebelauthorpod. No new patrons today, but thank you so much to all of my current patrons who helped to pay for my time, who helped pay for the running and the hosting of this podcast. It really, really means a lot to me. So thank you for your support. If you would like to support the show and get access to all of the bonus essays, posts and content, you can from as little as $2 a month by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. That's Sasha with a C and not an S. Okay, today's episode is sponsored by my own book, 13 Steps to Evil, How to Craft a Superbad Villain. If you didn't know about this book, then... I'm going to open your eyes right now. Did you know your hero is not the most important character in your book? Oh no, my rebellious little darlings, your villain is. If you're fed up of drowning in one-dimensional villains or frustrated with creating cliches and failing to get your reader to root for your villain, then this book will show you how. In 13 Steps to Evil, you'll learn how to develop a villain's mindset, a step-by-step guide to creating your villain from the ground up, why getting to the core of a villain's personality is essential to make them credible, and what pitfalls and cliches to avoid, as well as the tropes your stories need. These lessons will help you master and control your villainous minions, navigate and gain the perfect balance of good and evil, as well as strengthening your villain to give your story the tension and punch it needs. But, and here's the reader warning, If you like dark humour, learning through examples and want to create the best villains you can, then you'll love this guide to crafting super bad villains. But be warned, 
It's as sweary as this podcast. I will add links in the show notes so that you can find that if you haven't read it. Okay, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome back to the Rebel Author Podcast. Today I am joined by Jay Thorne. Jay has published two million words and has sold more than 185,000 books worldwide. He is an official member of the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America, the Horror Writers Association, and the Great Lakes Association of Horror Writers. Thorne earned a BA in American History from the University of Pittsburgh and an MA from Duquesne University. He is a full-time writer, part-time professor at John Carroll University, co-owner of Molten Universe Media, podcaster, FM radio DJ, musician, and a certified StoryGrid nerd. Welcome. Thank you, Sasha. Thank you so <laughs> much for coming on. I am trying to maintain a air of cool, um, but I just wanted to say uh, for anybody listening, Jay has like a gazillion podcasts and they are all <laughs> exceptionally brilliant I, I think I listened to at least three or four of them um so before we start let's just share all of your amazing podcasts uh, do you want right. to tell everybody what they are <laughs> <laughs> all right the one uh the one I do myself it's, it's more monthly it's called the author life and uh that's sort of a long form essay style uh podcast episode and then I have three that I do with other people so I have the career author podcast that uh, I do with Zach, Zach Bohannon, who was on your show. Yes, he um, was. And I do the writers well with my good friend Rachel Heron. And I just started one, uh, well, it just started, I guess, a few months ago with J.D. Barker called Writers, Inc., uh, and that's the newest one, and that is an interview format podcast. Yes, and I think we 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 probably have to mention your uh, your slam dunk home run of a guest <laughs> this past week. Go on, tell everyone. Uh, I think you're talking about Mr. James Patterson. Oh, yes, I might be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, OMG. When I heard you had James Patterson on your podcast, I was like, what? Like, amazing. And I have listened. um, And yeah, everybody needs to not stop what you're doing. But after you finish listening, go listen to all of the podcasts because I am a huge fan of them all. Um, I have to to give credit to JD. He is... uh, He's in fearless. He's the guy who asks people to come on the Writers Inc. and he is absolutely fearless. He will ask anyone and anyone he wants to be on. He will ask, and so many of them say yes. It's like unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like on a scale of like one to shitting yourself, like, where were you on the scale? I was shitting myself. <laughs> I, I there was a. I I know like. I don't know if you could hear it in the interview. There were a few moments I just started tripping on myself and I had to I had to just say like just shut up and let him talk. <laughs> just just shut up and let him talk because I was starting to get to panic and, and the guy's been through a handful of interviews and he <laughs> and he totally took charge and I was just like I took my hands off the wheel I'm like all right Patterson you drive cuz I can't, you know. Yeah. It was inti- it was intimidating, and um, he's a great guy, and it was a fantastic interview, and I'm really grateful that he took the time to do it. But for me, as an interviewer and a podcaster, uh, I I finished that. I told JD, I'm like, I kind of feel like 
<laughs> you're I can't handle anybody else yeah. after that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is literally nothing. I don't think there's any. Well, maybe J.K. Rowling, just just from my perspective, because I, it was such a huge. The the books were out. Or I was almost the same age as Harry Potter as the books were coming out. So for me, yeah. they're kind of you know. Um, but yeah. Oh my god. Like seriously, James Patterson. Anyway, let's talk about what we're here to talk about. Um, so, first of all, for anybody who doesn't know who you are and who the hell are these people, can you please tell everybody a little bit more about you, your journey, and you know your books, where and how you got to where you are now? Yeah, I don't quite know, so I'll do my best because <laughs> a lot of it's a mystery to me as well. Uh, but I'll, I'll give you the the bullet point version is I started. Uh, I published my first book to KDP in 2009, so it was just just prior to what became known as the Kindle Gold Rush, and uh, so I just had a sort of a 10-year anniversary as far as the publishing goes. I left my full-time teaching job in 2017, so it took me about eight years or so uh, to get to the point to um, I was ready to do that, although I technically wasn't ready. I, I don't know why my wife didn't divorce me, but uh, <laughs> I was making about $200 a month in royalties. I had um, two, two teenagers, two kids in private school, a mortgage and a wife, and I quit my salary job, and uh, <laughs> which is not good advice and not the thing you should do. <laughs> Uh, but, that, but that's what I did, uh, and so and, and I, I think part of that now is I consider myself sort of an author and a teacher. Uh, for an, uh, at least a year or so after I left, I wanted nothing to do with teaching, and now I've come back around, and I'm sort of applying my my skill set as an author to help other authors, and it's a whole different kind of teaching, and I'm just totally loving it now. Mm. It's so funny how uh, so many of the things that we hate um, about our prior lives end up coming back to us. Like I used to do project management and as much as I really tried desperately hard to rebel against the, the, you know, those skills and those systems and structures that I had in place, I just can't seem to quite let go fully. And, you know, those structures and skills keep coming back in and it infuriates me. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So you are about to launch a book called Three Story Method. Is that is that the full title? What's the is that the full title? Or? I, it's not the full title, but I don't think we've nailed down the, the full title yet. So that uh, something about fundamentals of fiction. Uh, <laughs> I should probably know what that is at this point, but it's uh, fine. But yeah, three-story method. We can go. That's for that's safe. I know that for sure. Okay, super. <laughs> um, can you tell everyone a little bit about the concept behind the book and what inspired you to write it? Yeah, uh, the the process of creating fiction is something that I've been working on for a, a decade. And when Zach and I got together, Zach came into the industry about around 2014. I think he was about five years after me. And once Zach and I started co-writing, we had to systematize. I mean, as a former project manager, you can appreciate the fact that if you're working with other people, you need a system of something. Like if you're by yourself, that's one thing. But anytime you involve a, a second person or a third person, you need a system. And so we kind of informally and organically started to systematize all of our processes. And at one point we said to each other, you know, this would be really helpful for other people, for other authors. And we started testing it out. We do authors on a train, we do world building retreats. And so we started teaching this process and the response was overwhelming. People were saying like, 
wow, that really makes sense. Um, like I can use that. I understand it. And I kind of had this revelation, uh, uh, this uh, sort of awakening where I was like, you know, as authors, we try to overcomplicate everything and story just isn't that complicated. It's pretty simple. Um, and, and yet we try and make things way more complicated than they have to be. So the, the inspiration was, okay, let's simplify this process and then let's teach people in a way that they understand it. Because the other thing that I, I found out and that Zach and I saw firsthand was the most prolific and the best and most talented authors aren't necessarily the best teachers. Those are two different skill sets. So whether it's as an author or a welder or a mechanic, sometimes the people who are really good at what they do don't know how they do it. And if you ask them, they'll go, I don't know, I just do it. Like they can't teach other people how to do it. Mm. And there was, there is and there was a lot of uh, methodology books and, and, and uh, systems out there. And some of them were by brilliant people who really have no didn't have the skills to teach other people how to use it. So it really was this idea of, okay, let's streamline the process, let's make it simple, and let's teach people how to do it and give them the tools that they need. Amazing. And um, <clears throat> let's go a little bit deeper, but obviously without giving you know the entire uh, book away, can you give listeners a bit of an overview of what the three-story method is? Yes. It's sort of a two-pronged approach because what you have is you're approaching story at the scene level and scenes are really important. Like if you can't write a good scene, it doesn't matter what kind of wonderful world that you build or any kind of plot that you have. If a reader picks up and at the end of chapter one, they don't want to turn the page, nothing else matters. So part of three-story method is dealing with three elements at the scene level. And then we, we come up a level and we look at it from a higher altitude and we have three general things that we look at from the higher level. So uh, for, the, for the global story arc, we're looking at plot and structure as kind of one level. Then we have genre and theme as another level uh, or story, and then character and world. So you have those sort of three elements. Those are at the high level. And at the scene level, you have uh, the three elements of conflict, choice, and consequence. And really, if, if you don't even want to buy the book, and if you remember nothing else from, from this podcast, if you can nail conflict, choice, and consequence, 95% of what you write will be stellar. Yeah, and that was actually my favorite section in the book was around uh, conflict, choice, and consequence. And you have them in a very nice uh, triangle. Um, but I wonder if we could go a bit deeper specifically on the choice, uh, uh, conflict, and consequence. And, yeah. um, you know, look at how those interplay and what those mean for a writer writing a scene and I guess structuring like their book as well. Yes, well... Uh, I've been working with clients for a number of years now, and it, not only in my own work, in my co-writer's work, and in clients' work, the biggest struggle I see from other authors at the scene level is not having a strong enough choice. So if, if we back up a second, conflict, choice, and consequence are built on Aristotle's idea that stories must have a beginning, a middle, and an end, which again, sound, everyone's like, duh, right? <laughs> but, when, but when you sit down to write, you'd be surprised how many scenes get cranked out that are missing one of those three elements or they don't have a strong enough one. So if you think about story being all about conflict, like you have to have something happening or you don't have a story. And again, that sounds super simple, but the, the choice is the middle element. So the conflict is 
in any scene, what pushes the protagonist or the main character out of their normal routine or out of their habit? That is your conflict, your initial conflict. That should then build to a choice. Um, what, what decision must the character make? And your characters must make a decision in every single scene. And then the consequence is naturally what follows from that. So the key on the choice is it has to be a question that you plant in the reader's mind and the, the question has to be, what would I do in this situation? That is what's going to push a reader to say, well, I want to see what happens. And the way that you do that is you have, you have two, there's two parts to that. You make that decision extremely difficult. Now, it doesn't mean the stakes have to be really high every time, but the options that they're facing should be uh, equally good or equally bad. And if you do your choice right, you can get people arguing, uh, you could get readers arguing over what that character should do. And it could even be dependent on the context. So maybe, maybe a reader would do one thing one time but do the opposite if, if the situation was different. And that's it, that's the key. You want to make your choice as difficult as possible on your protagonist because that will be the most interesting to the reader. And then obviously there must always be a consequence uh, for yes. whatever their decision is. That's um, right. So can you give me an example? I think you use Star Wars quite a lot in the book, but yes. can you give me a worked example of how this choice, conflict, uh, conflict choice and consequence plays out? And obviously most people, well, I'm assuming most people have seen Star Wars, so they'll, they'll be able to, <laughs> you know, follow. I know, we have to give a 1977 spoiler <laughs> alert. But, yeah. Uh... <laughs> If you haven't seen Star Wars A New Hope yet, you might want to hit pause on this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to spoil it and tell you that Obi-Wan Kenobi is killed by Darth Vader. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's the spoiler. Th that's a really pivotal scene, not only in, in the movie, but in the hero's journey archetype and for Luke Skywalker as the protagonist. And I think it's a, it's a great example of a difficult choice. Now, it, ha it has high stakes. Not every scene will. But this, what happens is... Uh, if, if you all remember from the movie, uh, Darth Vader and Obi-Wan are having their lightsaber duel on, in the middle of the Death Star. And Luke, along with, I think, Han Solo might be with them and Chewie, they, they arrive. And it's not verbalized, but Luke has a choice, right? He either, um, he either interferes with what's happening and gets involved in the conflict, or he waits and, and, and waits it out to see what happens. And if you think about that, it's an incredibly difficult choice because Obi-Wan is his mentor. He's been training him, but now he's facing like the most evil villain in the universe. So if Luke, Luke could bring harm to himself or to others if he interferes. So that, that's one level of consequence. But clearly Darth Vader is more powerful, stronger, uh, Obi-Wan's an old man. So if Luke does nothing, his mentor's probably going to die. And if Luke gets involved, he's also risking Princess Leia. And his job is to get Leia off the Death Star because she's the hope for the rebellion. So that's a perfect example of an incredibly difficult choice where you as, as the viewer, you're like, oh, gosh, what does he do? And it's kind of cringeworthy. And that's a perfect example of a difficult choice. Mm. And the thing that I really gave me a bit of an epiphany um, is that the consequence needs to change things forever. So you can't you can't take a step back. That's um, right. You can't undo it. Yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. You can't you can't undo it. Um, so 
the choice, uh, sorry, the com, I gotta get this in the right order. The conflict, choice, consequence um, should be used throughout every scene. Is that right? So That's correct, yes. So how can writers use this in conjunction with their plotting? Let's say they're plotting. Um, how can they, you know, what tips are there for making sure that they have enough information and, and they're plotting, you know, before they come to the page? Yeah, I, in, in the most simplest form, I would have uh, a, an outline or a set of story beats and for every scene, I would write one bullet point for conflict, one for choice, one for consequence. Now, I know that you know people who are more pantsers or discovery writers, they, they might want to come to a blank page, but I feel like if you're writing a 2,000 word scene and you're putting 10 words down on the page, you're gonna pants 1,990 of them. So there's even if you have just those three things mapped out, there's still so much room for you in the scene, but at least you know what you're going for. You know how the scene is going to start, you know the decision the character is going to face, and then you know the outcome, which will set you up for the next scene. So I would say at a very bare minimum, that's really all you need. And if you do that much and, just, and you're still a pantser, I think that's going to give you just enough structure to get through without like locking up or having writer's block. Yeah, and I suppose if there are some true rebels out there who really don't even want to do that, I suppose they could use it as a check mechanism uh, when they go back to review um, each scene to make sure that they have, you know, a conflict beat, a choice beat, and a consequence beat. Yes, you absolutely could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what mistakes do you think authors make uh, when it comes <laughs> to structure and plotting? Well, I think if you're talking specifically about plotting, uh, I think this is a place where you need to be in the Goldilocks zone. I think you need to be uh, moderate. I think you need to be somewhere in the middle. I, I, I find authors who struggle are on the ends of the spectrum. They're, they're either writing out a 30,000 word outline, and at that point is basically a draft, or they, they have so little that they don't know where they're going. And so I think if, if, if you can kind of stay towards the middle and like I said, give, your, give yourself enough that you, you know where the scene is going to begin, you know where the decision is going to be and then how it's going to end, um, that's, kind of, that's kind of what you want. Um, and so that's the biggest mistake I, I see is just being on the, on the ends of the spectrum. Let's bring all of this together. What tips and tricks do you have for, you know, structure and or anything else you want to add basically about the three story method and how it can help writers in structuring their stories better? I think the uh, the simplest thing you can do and it's completely free is if you um, you check out the career author podcast, Zach and I, uh, I don't know if it'll be wrapped up by the time completely wrapped up by the time this airs, but it'll be pretty close, I think. Uh, we did what we're calling an influencer series. So we looked at the story methodologies that really influenced us and influenced three-story method. And and that, if you listen to those episodes, you're going to get a nice uh, overview of what those methods are and how they work. And I think that's a great place to start. So for example, uh, the first influencer episode we did was Aristotle's Poetics. Uh, we looked at uh, the hero's journey, both Campbell and Vogler's uh, interpretations. Uh, the Virgin's Promise with Kim Hudson, and we looked at uh, Story by Robert McKee. And those uh, sort of are the basis for three-story methods. So I would say to people, go listen to those podcast episodes, and that'll start to kind of whet your appetite for what uh, story structure can be and how you can use it. 
Yeah, and I've listened to the Aristotle one and it made me buy the Aristotle Poetics book. So (laughs) (laughs) cheers for spending my money. Um, yeah, no, it was excellent though. So, and it was also interesting to see all of the stuff behind it. Uh, there is a bit of that in the book as well, but it was interesting yeah. to see um, where all the stuff behind it. Yes. Um, okay. Well, this is the Rebel Author Podcast. So, tell me about a time you unleashed your inner rebel. <laughs> well, I I have to ask if I can uh, tell you about a time I released my outer rebel. Would that be okay too? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you're gonna love this. Um, my wife makes fun of me all the time, and I'm not saying this works 100% of the time, but it works enough that I keep doing it. All right, so here's how you can be a rebel. Anytime you want something, let's say you want a lower rate for your cell phone, or you want to decrease your cable cost, or you want to uh, you want to get an extra package for your insurance, what you do is you call customer service. And you don't ask them, you tell them what they're going to do. <laughs> no, I know. no way! <laughs> you're, you're thinking, there's no way this is going to work. And I'm telling you it does. It doesn't work every time. I, perfect example. I was paying like $95 a month for my cable bill. And I have like cable and internet. So I called the company and like customer service answers. And I'm like, yeah, how can we help you? I'm like, let me tell you what you're going to do. And this is exactly <laughs> how I said it. I was like really upbeat and positive. I'm like... I'm paying so much for for my cable right now, so you're gonna drop it to sixty five bucks a month. And she's like, um, "Well, I can ask." I'm like, "No, you don't have to ask. Just you're just gonna go ahead and do it right now." And she's like, "Um, hold on a second. And she comes back and she's like, "I found a voucher that will give you, you know, whatever it was, thirty five dollars off. So I'll apply that to your account. Would that be okay?" I'm like, "Splendid. Good job." No way. Yep. Oh my god. Yeah. I am literally speechless. Like that is amazing. You have to try it. Now it it's um if you want to work up to it, like you could do it in person. So like if you go into a coffee shop and you're like, let me tell you what you're gonna do. You're gonna I'm gonna pay for the small, you're gonna but you're gonna put it in a large cup. That that's hard to do. And but if you start on the phone, it's easier. So do that. Pick an account that you're paying too much money and just call customer service and tell them what they're going to do. And that's unleashing your outer and your inner rebel. Oh, my God. There must be, <laughs> like, some psychology about, around, you know, the sort of affirmative statements or something where yeah. you give somebody no control. I am literally in awe <laughs> of your yeah. rebellious and, and nature. You have, to, you have to be forceful but polite, and you have to be upbeat and positive. So you can't, like, scream at them, but you just – you're like – let me tell you what you're going to do. And, yeah. you just, and you get them all pumped up and they're like, and they just do it. And I'm telling you, it's happened enough that it's not a fluke. Not every time, but enough that I'm like, yeah, it works. That is like a recipe for world domination. <laughs> I am so impressed. Like I am taking notes right now. <laughs> oh my God. I think this may be my favorite rebel story ever so far. Sorry, everyone else. Um, <laughs> Well, I, you could probably you you know me well enough to know that I don't like following the rules. I'm yes. kind of a rebel at heart, and so uh, 
that that's one way you can kind of break them. Just yeah, call them and tell them. Don't ask for permission. Just tell them what they're gonna do. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, absolutely love it. I am. I am literally gonna drop you an email when I've done this and be like, hey, yes, this is what I got. Yeah. Yes. You have to say like, yeah, here's here's where it worked, or like here's where it didn't work. But yeah. try it. Tell me. Yes, and if any listener would like to uh, also participate in our new game, then please do tweet. <laughs> Um, okay, tell listeners where they can find out more about you, your books, and your podcasts. Yeah, everything about me is at theauthorlife.com. Uh, that's where I have all my podcasts and information and things like that. And if they're interested in Three Story Method, we have a landing page up at threestorymethod.com. Amazing. And just one more time, the names of your podcasts, just because I will also link to them. Yes, uh, The Author Life, The Writer's Well. Uh, the Career Author Podcast and Writers Inc. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. I really, really appreciate it. Um, My pleasure. I had a blast. <laughs> I'll stop. Um, okay, right. <laughs> Thank you to all of uh, the patrons supporting the show. If you would like to get early access to all of the episodes, then you can do so by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black, and that is Sasha with a C. Thank you very much to everybody listening. I'm Sasha Black. You were listening to Jay Thorne, and this was the Rebel Author Podcast. Next week, I'll be talking to Karen Ferreira all about children's illustrations. Don't forget, this week's question was, what are your favourite podcasts? And remember that the DIY MFA 101 course is only on sale for another couple of days. I've added the links in the show notes. And if you would like to join me, Jenna Moresi and Meg Latour on the iWriterly YouTube channel for a live Q&A on how to launch a book, I have also added the links to the show notes and that's on Wednesday the 4th of March at 3pm Eastern Time and 8pm UK Time. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review. (music) 